Aaron Gerlitz has an extensive background in IT, first with the United States military and currently as a senior IT project manager with Lowe's. And as a producer of IT Visionaries, he is flush with insights into what is going on in the world of technology. In this special episode, Aaron joins his old pal Ian to discuss some of the common topics that have come up in the first 40 episodes of the podcast and what they tell us about the world IT as a whole. Plus, they look into the future and share what they're excited to talk about in upcoming episodes. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash buildmobileapps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at The Mission, and I am joined on the other line, Aaron Gerlitz. How's it going? Good. How are you? You know, it's a great day, and we are excited to talk about something. This is a different kind of episode today. So Aaron is a producer for IT Visionaries and has an extensive background in IT, both in the Army and at Lowe's. And so we wanted to pick his brain on four lessons or four takeaways that he has seen as themes of the previous 40 episodes of IT Visionaries. Hard to believe we're already at 40 episodes, but we are indeed, and we have many, many more to come. But Aaron has unique insights, seeing things from kind of a different angle and why we love uh, love the fact that he is a producer here on ITViz. So without further ado, Aaron, let's get into your background a little bit. How'd you get started in IT? Yeah, so after I graduated from college at West Point, I uh, was commissioned in the Army as an officer, a signal officer, they called it, which is basically an IT manager and was able to have a bunch of unique, cool roles, first starting as a tactical communications manager, working with different teams that have either satellite infrastructure for technology, stuff like that. Then moving on to a role in Iraq, being a help desk manager, network operations manager, doing a lot of cool stuff there over the course of about 13 months. Transitioned from there into a role in Afghanistan, where it was kind of at the country level, doing network operations really dealing with the network engineering team there and getting a different feel for different aspects of technology from a completely different lens, different perspective, dealing with some vendors uh, there that provided us fiber and microwave line of sight communications. So getting another view at it. And then finally closing out in the army before I transitioned out in uh, a space battalion in Colorado Springs, which is completely different flavor of the military dealing with some satellite operations teams, some satellite imagery teams, and, uh, and a lot of unique teams there that did a lot of different stuff than I had seen in my previous roles in the Army. So that was kind of the start of my, uh, my career in technology. Spent five and a half years doing all that in the Army and then decided to transition out into the civilian world uh, and figure out what my next role was. And what I found out from all those different experiences, dealing with vendors, running different projects for different aspects of the military, it translated really well into being an IT project manager and running software development projects, whether it was implementing a more off-the-shelf solution or implementing something custom that we were building, doing that type of stuff at Lowe's. So 
fit well there, moved over to Charlotte and have been there since. I've been here about four years now, just was four years actually in October. And I've gotten to work on a bunch of really neat stuff here for Lowe's Home Improvement Company, starting in the identity and access management space, transitioning over to the payment solution space, working on some security efforts, tokenization, encryption, debit EMV there, and then also doing some stuff related to SaaS or cloud-based solutions, get helping uh, our teams install an enterprise source-to-pay solution for our enterprise sourcing team, and working on some merchandising efforts where we're building some in-house components and, and also doing some more cloud installations. So that's kind of how I got into IT, how I got to where I am now in my career and, uh, and have had a pretty unique experience with some time in the military government and a good amount of time in the corporate world. You forgot the, the one part of your story that your basic training roommate was one of the coolest guys you ever met. Can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, that's how Ian and I first met was in basic training at West Point when we were pretty miserable and getting to know each other and trying to figure out how to do this whole growing up thing and joining the military thing. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny looking back on those times and uh, having a three-star general walk into uh, our, our barracks room and it looked like a uh, bomb had gone off and that was the first thing that he said, so good times. So, okay, today we want to talk about these four lessons, these four takeaways from our first 40 episodes. And one of the things that is really interesting about kind of your take on things is you have a lot of experience actually implementing the things that CIOs are talking about, which is why as we structure our prep for questions and as we as we look at the types of CIOs and IT leaders that we reach out to, it's so important to have your insight. So let's go. Number one, what's your first takeaway from the first 40 episodes? Yeah. So the first thing I recognized was how a bunch of the people you were interviewing kept emphasizing how important the relationship between the business executives and the technology executives were, whether they were a CIO, a CTO, whatever role they were in. And these technology leaders kept emphasizing how important it was to build the, that trust, be transparent with them and collaborate with them to understand what their needs are. And, and so that first time when you get in, have a major incident, have a major problem, you're not trying to build that relationship fresh and you actually already have something you can build off and have a real conversation about what the issue is and what your team's going to do to resolve it. So I thought that was pretty interesting and hearing that emphasized over and over really drilled that into my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so interesting that in, you know, the military world, you have the IT leader who rolls up into a essentially like a chief of staff kind of a role, but it's basically an executive, almost like a it's not like a COO, but it's uh, kind of similar to that for those of you who don't know. And so you're not really ever worried about building relationships with the operator side because you kind of work directly with them so often. And then, you know, looking at these CIOs, a lot of times there's also a CTO that's working on customer facing stuff. Sometimes they are the CTO. Sometimes they sit extremely far away from the CEO and are more kind of in line with the chief marketing officer, which is really interesting. And I, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think that at this current day and age, you have CIOs that 
the CIOs that have been successful, the CIOs that have talked about candidly about, you know, what has been the best thing for their career. And it's been really understanding the customer needs and understanding the types of things that the other, you know, operators or business side is really trying to achieve and then helping them achieve that. Yeah, definitely. And, and even some of them talk to, uh, to shadowing your business, spending a day in their shoes, understanding that a lot, which, uh, I think sometimes us on the IT side of the house get so focused on whatever you're doing and or fixing or whatever you've got going on operationally, but that you use, lose focus of that or you don't really know what the business is doing. And, and that's part of building that relationship is really understanding what they're talking about and what they're doing and experiencing day to day. And especially when you have so many meetings, like I, I know, you know, a lot of C-level executives, you know, your day is spent in meetings a lot. So if you're saying, hey, I need to fly somewhere and then spend the rest of this week shadowing people, that's not necessarily on the agenda. Yep, definitely. All right, number two. So number two was just kind of the scale of, you talk to a lot of different industries, some leaders all over the place. You talk to leaders at UPS, Shell, Praxair, a lot of technology companies. I think in our day-to-day lives, all of us that work as IT leaders, IT managers, whatever your role is, you know how critical IT is to your organization, but you don't really think about all these other companies and how critical it is to how you interact with them, how they do their jobs day-to-day and how they pay the bills. And I think in the Shell one, that was the most striking to me is just the expanse and how massive of a company they are and how IT was in every single niche of that. And it was just striking. It was, it was awesome to hear about. And it made me take a step back and, and realize it's an exciting place to be, exciting uh, place to have a career. So Yeah, I mean, I would add to that. And the, the Craig Walker one, I, I agree, was, you know, it was the first episode. And it, it, it really is one of our best because of the absolute enormous scope of his responsibilities. And then you, you compare that to someone like KC at Palantir, who was also incredible, and he sits 50% of his time with customers. I mean, that's that type, the number of CIOs, when you're selling into CIOs, obviously it's super important, but how many of the best CIOs are spending so much time with customers? And obviously, you know, a lot of those are B2B companies, but you have this really exciting time where there's a lot of problems across the IT community that everybody has, you know, that, that you're kind of all dealing with. Yeah. And, and I think you also brought in some CIOs. I don't think we think of on a day-to-day basis, bringing in a city CIO to talk about Palo Alto and, and kind of the different nuances are there that I don't think of personally, but it's, it's gotta be there. Right. And it's a critical part of uh, how the city runs or all of our cities run university CIOs, different stuff like that. And just how critical IT is to, to everything going on in the world nowadays. Yeah, I mean, that was interesting with with Jamie, the, the CIO of University of Phoenix, and Jonathan, who's uh, used to be the, the CIO of Palo Alto. And just thinking of this, this idea of IT and how much every organization needs IT. And I think that one of the really exciting things about the future is that that's going to separate a lot of people. You know, you talk about I saw someone tweet about this the other day about how the idea of like, you know, TurboTax or or these sort of things, like all of these products that help with like taxes, right? And someone was like, hey, you know who should have a product like TurboTax? The IRS, (laughs) 
Because why do we need to redo this same thing every single year? Like, shouldn't that just be a product? And like, it's a great point. And it's like, shouldn't the IRS just have an app? We should get some citizen developers out here to make an app for the IRS that, you know, we can use off the shelf so that we can all just input our stuff and we don't have to pay anyone to do our taxes. Like that should just be a requirement as citizens or like in a requirement of our government that that stuff happens. But you worked in, you know, the army as did I, and there's some serious shortcomings there where you have to make these investments in IT just like in any big company. And sometimes those investments don't happen and it makes a huge difference to your customers. Yeah, definitely. And I think that directly ties into uh, the next item I was going to go onto, which is really focused on legacy technology and processes and how strikingly similar the problems are across different organizations. I saw it when I was in the military, we, especially at the, the space command, we were doing some cool stuff, you know, dealing with satellite imagery, working on a lot of top secret applications that were really advanced stuff. And then we were working on this 30 year old infrastructure and 30 year old satellite apertures that barely had the bandwidth to power them when they had to deploy to different spaces and, and had to work on a project of identifying a new solution for them that could actually work going forward. Right. And I think you saw that in, in a lot of the different teams that you're working with. I see that day-to-day -day at my organization and my role right now is we have a lot of legacy applications or infrastructure that should have been addressed, should have been replaced, and we have to work through that in order to stay relevant and in order to keep innovating. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting that the companies that are pushing the pace of innovation the fastest, we interviewed people that are working on quantum computing. We interviewed people that are working on, you know, putting chips on your chest that is the equivalent of an EKG that goes around with you to prevent heart issues or to identify those. Working on some of the most technologically advanced companies in the world. And I would add that, you know, the US military is of course one of those. We have technologies, proprietary technology that is you know, the best in the entire world. And yet the IT organization, the IT infrastructure that supports those efforts sometimes is 30 years old. I mean, I remember when one of the systems I used in the army where I was essentially controlling like 5,500 soldiers information was, you know, black screen with the, with the cursor, right? It's like literally command prompt stuff that was... I mean, easily had to be built in like the 80s or you know, early 90s or something like that. I'm like, how is this even possible that this is the case? But all of these organizations, as you get bigger and as you grow, it's so important to keep the legacy systems in mind. And you see a lot of CIOs struggle with convincing the business side that they need to update these. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, and, and there were similar problems that we heard from, I think the second episode you guys had with Alvina, reducing duplicate systems and and you see that all over the place right sometimes organizations think you're they're unique but a lot of these problems are are similar across all different industries and all different sizes of organizations and it seemed like things that were brought up a lot basic leadership fundamentals to help solve those problems listen well like we were talking about before spend time with your business partner well with those with those business teams and then have great organization and attention to detail. It's funny in the, when you guys go through the lightning round each week, these leaders were constantly bringing up some pretty, what we think are basic apps, right? Your outlook calendar 
and organizational tools. And I think that's key to the success of some of these leaders and how they resolve some of these problems. Yeah, it's a great point and, and a really interesting insight of how many people talk about their calendar is the thing that helps them most with productivity. And the calendar really, I mean, the Gmail calendar, the Outlook calendar, whatever you're using, I mean, you know, borrow a phrase here is like has not been disrupted yet, right? Like there's there's not really that much innovation that's happening with your calendar. But with the rise of AI, it's about to get really interesting because now something that is extremely good at pattern recognition and something that can, you know, suck information out of your emails and add it to your calendar is going to be changed in a dramatic way. And all of those manual tasks. I mean, one of the things that, that I talked about on an episode is just how now with Gmail, it automatically puts a phone number and a Google Hangout in every single one. And like, man, that is one of those things that you never have to type anything into. You never have to, uh, you don't even need to pay for any software that does that anymore. And, you know, Google Hangouts is, has definitely has some problems with how high quality the stream is and all of that. But the fact that it saves you a click or two or three or four every single time, those things add up. And for executives, it's a huge, huge time waste to be able to worry about all, all that stuff. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. Number four. All right. So the last one that I really noticed is, is all this awesome innovation that's going on. We talked about the, the miniature EKG. One of the recent podcasts that you had was related to 5G, hybrid cloud computing, all this awesome stuff, right? And it just emphasized to me how important learning and development is as a leader in technology organizations. And a quote that I, I that stuck with me from one of the episodes was that you have to reinvent yourself or you'll become a legacy system. And that, that just really hit me. And I think that's why this type of podcast format is so important for leaders to be engaged in is just continue learning, continue developing your skill set, learning about new things. Even, even if it doesn't apply to your job today, it's probably going to apply to your job tomorrow. And it's definitely going to apply to your life tomorrow. So that was definitely something that struck me as a, as definitely a significant takeaway. Yeah, I mean, we try to look at content at the mission as like past, present, and future. Like what are the mistakes or the lessons or the things that people did in the past? Who are the heroes? Who are the innovators? And like, what can you glean from those in the present? Who are the people who are doing it now? Who are the people at the cutting edge of all of this? And then for the future, like what do we posit that, how do we use fiction and storytelling to see like, what is a glimpse into the future look like? Things like Minority Report and all sorts of things, uh, you know, Star Wars with the holographic images and all of that stuff that is now being built, you know, 40 years later. And I think it's an it's a really important and salient point that the curation of what is going on around you is more important than ever. You know, people, especially younger people, are not watching the news. You get your information, you know, maybe it's from from certain sites that you're subscribed to, or maybe it's just you just scroll around your feed on whatever social platform you have. But the importance of keeping up with the Joneses is so critical. It's so critical to know what your peers, know what your mentors are up to. And you can do that in, in a pretty easy way. Definitely. Definitely. Any other kind of takeaways that that's our four. So, but any other kind of like miscellaneous thoughts or, or things that you, you saw as, as working on these episodes? Yeah, I, I think there's one more and it's kind of a, a quote that I took from one of the episodes you had and talking about 
citizen development. And a common trend throughout a lot of these episodes was how difficult it is to get good talent, especially in the IT space, technology experts, software developers, engineers. And it was striking to me in one of the citizen development episodes talking about how citizen development can help with that war on talent because that war on talent's not going away. It's not going to get easier anytime soon. So why not use the talent you already have and just enable them through items like citizen development and low code solutions, things like that. So that was just a, a very interesting insight that I hadn't thought of before. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's definitely something that you don't hear a lot of. And obviously, it's being popularized more and more now. But I, I think that's it's interesting that with talent, a lot of times we look at things like the rise of you know Fiverr and all of these gig economy and you can outsource certain things to other people and oh hey we can take this percentage of stuff off people's plate and we can find this but ultimately what we've kind of missed as a society i think which is where citizen development comes in is is that there's a percentage of your population that's really talented that technologically doesn't know exactly what to do but creatively they do know what to do and they just need to be able to like tap into that creativity a little bit and i mean that's something that you know how many ideas did you have in the army of like hey wait ways we could prove blank ways we could improve that i mean like there is quite literally an army of people with ideas about how to make the organization better but there's no hackathons there were no um and maybe there's more stuff now we've been out for a little bit but there was no stuff like that. I mean, how many people did you work with in the military that, like, I, one of our good friends is an expert developer, hacker, knows all this stuff. He was not a signal officer. He had no way to even use any of those talents in the army. And yet, this person was sitting sitting on the bench that totally could have done something like citizen development and ultimately saved uh, the U.S. taxpayer a lot of money. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're, you're spot on there. You just unleash these different talents of different people within your organization that you didn't previously have because they could just do their job and focus on whatever they were working on. Whereas you can just multiply the productivity of your organization a lot, I think, through through things like that. All right. Final thing. So what are you excited about for future episodes? Obviously, we have a bunch of really, really fun folks in the pipeline that we're going to be interviewing. But what are some of the things that you're excited about that we're going to explore in the, in the not too distant future? I think one of the things that I found coolest is uh, is bringing in these companies like the UPS CIO and talking to them about the ways that they're innovating industries that have been around forever. Oh, and he's coming back too. By the way, I guess a little breaking moves here, but uh, yeah, no, he's he's going to be he's going to be coming back in a few episodes, but uh, we're scheduling right now. But anyways, go ahead. But that that type of stuff to me is kind of fascinating because it's it's that behind the scenes work that's being done to make our everyday lives better. And, and it's kind of seamless to us, right? When you're ordering from Amazon X, Y, and Z, you don't know everything that's going on to get it to you that quickly and what companies are doing to innovate, but uh, little things like that. And, I, and I'm sure as we'll dive into many other companies, we'll start to uncover stuff like that. So that's the thing I'm looking forward the most to that I find the most interesting. Awesome. I love it. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out, buddy. And yeah, we'll we'll have uh, 
for our amazing listeners. Thanks so much for all the feedback and support. If you ever have any any questions for us, you can you know post on Twitter or something with hashtag IT Visionaries, or you can you know hit hit us up at info at themission.co and send us uh, questions, fan mail, any sort of. We should do a fan mail episode. More details on that, but we'll definitely do. We we get we get a bunch of stuff. So yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll definitely have Aaron back more often as we continue to really unpack all of the the learnings and the lessons that our IT visionaries are sharing with us. Thanks for hanging out, man. All right. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps.